0: Church, and for those of you who don't know, the time did move forward, but fortunately for this service, you can always watch it, so you can tell the friends who didn't see it this morning, they can still view our services. We welcome you. This is a day that the Lord has made, and we should be glad in it. It is a great day. We've been talking about truth all through this Lenten season. And the sermon title, I kind of like it, The Truth About the World. When someone says the truth about anything, you kind of perk up. You kind of want to, okay, this is maybe something I don't know. Or, if you like some of us, I want to see what they're talking about but I'm not sure if what they say is the truth. Truth is a funny word. It can really dictate or tell us what really is, or for some people it can camouflage or hide what is truly the truth. But I want to let you know one thing. There is one truth that will be here forever. We serve a loving God. That's the truth. And in that, we get the opportunity to hear his word. There's some wonderful songs this morning you're going to hear. The scripture is wonderful. And of course our Pastor will present us with a marvelous sermon. It's the truth. And knowing when you hear the truth, it creates a comfort in my life, a comfort in your life, that I think I'm on the right path. You can never go wrong with the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And folks, that is the truth. Amen. 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 Good morning. Our
1: meditation this morning is something to actually truly reflect on. It may take us a minute to get all the meaning. It's from Mark Ian Barash, who wrote these words. It's not that we don't know the truth. We do know it, but we actively push it away or ignore it. that ever happened to you? Is it happening to you right now in some domain? Let's open our hearts to God right now. And time of silence, and let God shine the light on the truth so that we quit ignoring it or pushing it away. O God, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. May we hear the truth from you today in the souls of our hearts, in our minds, in our ears, and may we, if we are pushing it away, may we do so no longer. May we embrace your truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now we invite you to sing along with us as we sing the hymn At the Cross.
2: comes our turn to come before God with our thoughts, our burdens, our joys, our griefs. We pray and uplift those in our congregation who are struggling this morning and those around the world in our listening audience. Whatever your burdens, you may bring them before the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious and Holy One, we are so thankful to come before you in your presence with singing, with joy, with sorrow, with everything it means to be human before you. We acknowledge your love for us. We are so grateful for it. Help us, O Lord, to love one another with even a portion of the love you have for us. Lord, we continue to pray for those who grieve today whose lives have been forever altered by the death of a loved one. We pray for healing. We pray for those struggling this morning, financial struggles, mental and emotional health struggles, even those who struggle with issues of faith and hope. Let your love bathe them and us in comfort, in strength, in knowing that you are indeed with us. Continue to give us hope as we give each other hope with a kind word, a phone call, a touch of grace. Give us your courage today. Give us your peace. And we will be so careful to give you all the praise. And now let us say the words that Jesus taught his disciples when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
0: prayer. We want to thank all those who have been giving faithfully. We appreciate your giving. Truly, it has helped us a lot. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we say thank you for the gift that you have given us, the opportunities you have given us. And in turn, we are giving to you those gifts. For this, we are ever, ever grateful. Amen. Amen. Our morning scripture this morning is 1 John, 4th chapter, verses 1 through 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God is listening to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. We have a blessing through reading it word. We welcome the children to the children's lesson
1: as part of our worship service today and today we're talking about the world and what is the truth from the world that God has taught us and uh, one of the truths that we learn about the world is that the world is a wonderful beautiful place filled with exotic creatures and familiar creatures and beautiful scenery and Uh, full of uh, nature that just astonishes us and brings us so much joy. And the other part of that truth is that God has asked us to care for the world, care for uh, the nature around us. And I I wanted to show you this. This is uh, a a little toy, I guess you would call it, uh, about taking care of pets. And I know that a lot of you have pets. You have a dog or a cat or a goldfish or a hamster or something. And if you have uh, a larger pet, you'll recognize this as a pet carrier. And when your your pet is sick uh, or needs some attention from the vet, you, you put them in here like this little kitty. Can you see my little kitty? It's not a real kitty. But uh, you put your little cat or your dog in there and you take it to get good care and maybe they have to get their uh, toenails clipped or uh, some other kind of grooming thing. Maybe sometimes if you have a dog, they got to go get trimmed up, and you might want to comb them out like that. That's a good thing to do. Or if you have a pet, when you bring them home, they may need a little recuperation. And so you let them lay down on their bed and their pillow and get a little rest. That's good caring for your pet, and you need to take good care of your pets. Now, what your parents tell me, is that all of you want a pet, but then when they get you the pet, you don't take care of it. And they have to walk the dog and feed the cat and take care of the fish. That's your job. That's a job God's asked you to do, to take care of this world. But it's not only our pets that we want to take care of. We want to take care of all creation. I have a friend that uh, raises bees and, and she does so because the bees pollinate the flowers and make all the world beautiful and she's trying to care for those bees which are sometimes killed by the poisons we use you know, to do other things and she's caring for the world that way you can care just by picking up litter sometimes when you're walking you can pick it up and get it out of the way so it doesn't pollute anybody and you can talk to your parents about what they use in the house, because we don't want to put a lot more poison into our rivers or into the water or into the sky, and that's a good way to care for all creation. You can read and study in school ways to take uh, take care of the fish in the sea and take care of the birds of the air. There's a lot of things you can do to care for this world, and when you do so, you're doing what God's asked you to do. So take care of your pet, that's doing what God's asking you to do, and do what you can to take care of this beautiful world that God has given us and all the creatures in it. Would you do that? I'll try to do my best, you try to do your best, and together we'll make a good difference in this world. Let's pray together. Dear God, I hope that you'll use all the children listening today, uh, teach them how to do a good job of caring for the pets they love, and also for the entire world. Help us all to do what we can to make the water purer and the air better and all the forests protected and the creatures of the earth healthy. Give us guidance in how to do that because we want to please you with the way we care for this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: is the tree
2: That
4: away.
1: When Louis Armstrong recorded that song that Janine just sang so beautifully, it actually stirred up a lot of controversy. The, The song was written by George David Weiss and Bob Teeley in 1967, and they wrote it for Louis Armstrong to sing. Bob Teeley was Louis Armstrong's producer. And Louis Armstrong followed through. He released it as a single in 1968 and it was tremendously popular, but it also drew heavy criticism. If you remember 1968, or you read about it in a history book, you'll know that 68 was an especially bitter and tragic and difficult year. Both Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy were assassinated in 1968. The Vietnam War expanded to become far more costly than it had been before in the cost of human lives. People were protesting the war in the streets. They were protesting racial injustice in the streets. It all boiled over at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago that year where it turned into bedlam and bloodshed and violence. Every night, on the news, we were presented with scenes that seemed to contradict the message of this song, seemed to say, this is not a beautiful world. And so the beloved singer was, cru- was criticized by a lot of young people, especially. Why would you sing about that in the midst of such national trauma? And here's how Louis Armstrong responded. He said, some of you young folks been saying to me, hey, pops, What do you mean, what a wonderful world? How about all them wars all over the place, you call them wonderful? But how about listening to old pops for a minute? Seems to me, it ain't the world that's so bad, but what we're doing to it. And all I'm saying is, see what a wonderful world it would be if we only gave it a chance. Love, baby, love, that's the secret. What do you think? What have you observed? Is the world a wonderful, beautiful, glorious place worthy of celebrating and praise? Or is it a toxic place filled with hatred and violence and sickness? What truth have you observed? Today, we're talking about the truth about the world. And when we look at the scripture, the Bible seems to be of two minds. We look in Genesis, and uh, Genesis gives us revealed truth. The writer says, "I'm going to tell you that God created this world," and then the writer does sort of a nifty thing, changes from revealed truth and puts us in the mind of God. Not very long, but for a little bit, and and we get, but God observed his truth, and God looked at the. Beautiful world, the skies and the seas and the birds and the bees and the buffalo and the banana groves and the apple trees and uh, the cornflowers and starfish and Adam and Eve. And when God observed all that God had created, we have this word, these words: "It is very good." So there's the Bible's affirmation of the world. And then in John, our favorite Bible verse says, "For God so loved." the world, uh, loved it so much that sent Jesus to redeem the world so that the world would not perish but have everlasting life. But then we get deeper into the New Testament, and we come to John's first letter. And Pastor Kinney read our text for today, but I want to read another section of that letter, for this is what John writes about the world. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world, for all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in riches, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desire are passing away. Remember that, passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. So which is it? What is the truth about the world? Is it a beautiful, wonderful, glorious place? Or is it a place that is toxic and pernicious and malicious and menacing in this world? I don't personally have a problem with the Bible saying it is both. (laughs) I think a lot of truth is both. Uh, And I think we get off on the wrong track when we polarize everything and say, you either have to like it or hate it. You're either this way or that way. Uh, a lot of people come up to me and say, so I hear you like country music. Eh, I like some country music. Some of it I find deplorable. I, I won't listen to it for a second. But some of it, I like the lyrics or the story or whatever's going on in it. Uh, I think that's true of all music. I think there's probably some jazz that Reverend Cheryl does not really love, but she loves a lot of jazz, and Janine in the same boat. Kenny, as we all know, is a hip-hop rap enthusiast, but but I'm sure (laughs) he likes soul music, he likes Prince, he likes those people, but I bet you there's some of that music he doesn't like. You can like some and not others, it can be both, in a more serious vein, today is the anniversary of Breonna Taylor's death. And you'll hear people say, you can't get any justice at all in our judicial system. That's not true. Is there injustice in the judicial system? Absolutely. Her death absolutely proves that. But there's a lot that is done right. It is both. What we have to do is take our judicial system and make it more just. We can't rest. We have to work together till justice is true for all. You probably saw the interview with Oprah Winfrey and the prince and princess of wherever they're from. Uh, And, and, you know, there was a lot of comment after that. The, The royal family is racist. And they even stopped Prince William. Did you see that? And they said, hey, is the royal family racist? And he said, not at all. Wrong answer. Wrong answer, William. Now, I know you've got to do what you've got to do, but the right answer is, yeah, we got some racism in it, and we're going to work to get it out, right. because that's true of the royal family, and it's also true of your beloved pastor. You can't live in this world and not have a little bit of racism in you. The question is, are you getting it out, or are you amplifying it? Are you resting in it, or are you getting it out of there? We can be both and, see. It's more complex than that. So what is the world? How do we see the world? Well, we get at it, the biblical revelation a little bit when we look at the languages. Because in the Hebrew language, which is what the Old Testament was written in, they have several words for, for that is translated as world in our English translations are recorded today. Michael Crone could give us some of those because he is Jewish. But there is a word called tebel. I may not be pronouncing that right, Michael, but you can correct it later. And then eretz, ha, eretz. Uh, And then there's a word, earth, that we get our word earth from, the Hebrew word. And those words refer to the land. They refer to nature, to creation, to the earth those words are about a place in other words that's the word used in genesis it's also the words used in psalms like psalm 24:1 the earth is the lord and the fullness thereof the world and all that lives upon it that's a place a place a place of beauty a place of joy in that sense When we're talking about the world as a place, it is a wonderful place. It is to be celebrated. You've observed that, haven't you? Isn't that observed truth in your life? Have you ever walked on a mountain trail or sat by a lazy river or laid out on your back under the stars at night? Have you ever seen the amber waves of grain or the corn as high as an elephant's eye or, or any of the beauty of nature? You've observed that to be beautiful and worthy of celebration. Christians should not be feeling taken back from that. We should live into that. We should embrace that. We should enjoy it and celebrate it and eat a peach. (laughs) Uh, We should do all that we can to celebrate the wonder and beauty of this wonderful world that we've been talking about today. But then when you get over in the New Testament down to John's Gospel, and then on into 1 John. The word changes. It's no longer about a place. It's about a span of time. It's about a very temporary passing stage of time. The word is cosmos, but we use that word differently in English, so it's not all that helpful to us. The Greek word meaning a very temporary span of time, our lifetime, your lifetime. That's what he's talking about world and when we allow that very myopic short-term view of things to crash into it what happens John says is it starts warping everything that is really good and true the eternal values of God when we when we look at it just from this passing stage of time that we're on then we tend to say oh i got to grab everything i can get i got to experience everything i can experience i got to accumulate everything i can accumulate i got to do everything i possibly can to hang on to it in this world and that creates a toxic influence upon us john was battling what he calls pseudo prophets and they were people who had been in the church in Ephesus and then had kind of broken away from the church. And we don't know exactly what these false prophets were teaching. We have to kind of listen to one side of the conversation that John gives us. But by studying what he wrote, we can piece together what they were saying. And what they were doing were taking Jesus' own words and twisting them to their own advantage, to a very temporary advantage, benefits in their lifetime. They were also taking John's own words from the Gospel of John and throwing them back on him in a way that really upset him. I'll give you some examples. They would have said, yes, Jesus is the light of the world. He has thrown some light into the temporary passage of time. He had some good things to say. He had some good things to teach, but he was flawed. He was not the Christ come in the flesh. He was not son of God. He he was a prophet, a teacher. He had a little bit of enlightenment. He gave it out there for his time, but he's dead and gone. His death has no other significance than it was a tragedy. Yes, it was unjust, but it wasn't salvation. Uh, No, 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 no. You're making more out of him than you should. But then they quote him. Jesus said that after he was gone, the spirit would come and bring us into all truth. Ta-da, that's us. We got the life now. We have been enlightened. We're who Jesus was talking about. We got the truth. Listen to us. We're going to lead. And they would go to that verse that Jesus said, you'll do more after I'm gone than I did while I was here. See, they said, he was telling you, listen to us. We know. Now, he overemphasized all that stuff about love and compassion on other people. We don't have time for that. That's what they evidently taught. We don't have time for that. we got to look out for ourselves. The enlightened have to live separate, glorious existences and take all that you can from this world, enjoy and accumulate and experience all that you can from this world. Don't worry about that love and that compassion and looking out for others. Not time for that. And John was horrified at what they had done. They had taken the eternal values and teachings of Jesus And warp them to have a temporary benefit. Make them wealthy, make them prosperous, make them powerful, make them uh, lauded in their own time. John said, don't listen to these false prophets. How do you know a false prophet, he said? A false prophet is somebody who stands up and tells you Jesus is nothing but a man. No more important than any other man. But you can know you're listening to the spirit of God and the spirit of truth when somebody stands up and says, Jesus is the Lord, the Christ that God sent in human flesh to teach us and bring us to God. You'll know that person is telling you the truth. Others are going to be more likely to take the teachings or values of God and turn them around and warp them and corrupt them to their own advantage. And those people who do that speak by the spirit of the world not by the Spirit of God, because that's what that spirit of the world does. Let me give you a, a couple of examples. Did you, did, you, did you read about those two women down in Florida who, uh, one was 30-something, one was 40-something, and they dressed up like old ladies. They put on gray wigs and a shawl and some old uh, dresses and shoes and went to the vaccination center and and said they were old and that they should get the vaccine. They evidently got one of the shots. I don't know how that worked. I've been trying for weeks to get one and I can't get one. I, I guess I gotta get a, my hair's already gray. It's naturally gray, isn't that wonderful? But it, it hadn't helped me any. These women dressed up and they went and they got one shot. Then they got caught in the parking lot trying to go home. Somebody matched their driver's license with the age they were claiming. Seems like a simple thing to have done and they got them. Now what caused these two women to trade in eternal values like decency, integrity, honesty, and compassion, and literally steal a vaccine that should have gone to somebody far more vulnerable to the virus than they were, what caused them to trade eternal values for a very temporary benefit? John would say, the spirit of this world. It caused them to focus only on their own needs, only on their own time, only on what they wanted, and to corrupt and to twist all the eternal values of God. Here's another one that's a little more subtle. I was driving down the road not long ago listening to radio, and this uh, shaving subscription service came on. I don't know if you participate in those or not. That's not the point. Uh, this guy came on and said, you know, men's razor blades are too expensive. Here's what you got to do. You pay us a monthly fee and we'll send you blades and a razor handle and everything's going to be groovy. And and we're going to start the first one. You send us three bucks and we'll send you three, three blades and one razor handle and you'll be set up. The very next commercial was a woman's voice. And she said, did you know there's a pink tax on women's razors? They will charge us poor women three times what they charge men for the same blades and handle. We're going to put a stop to that right now. We will send you three blades and one handle for $9. Now you do the math. You see what that company's doing? They're using eternal values like equality and justice and honesty and they're twisting them to tell you the same still old lies, still overcharge, still warp it all, and try to look altruistic as they're doing it. John says that's the way the world always does. The world will take anything. It'll take any value, any image, any icon, any life, and it'll twist it, it'll corrupt it, and use it for temporary advantage, money, notoriety, power, uh, something like that. I wish you could sit in and listen to these developers that keep coming to our church to buy our land. We've had at least six. They all say the very same thing. They say, we're here to help your dreams and plans come true. How can we do that? Reverend, we believe in what you're doing, Reverend. And we want to be supportive of, of establishing this church For the generations to come reverend we we think churches are needed in this community and your church is doing well and and we want to support that reverend whatever we can do it's not about us it's all about you reverend we're on your side one developer came in here and said reverend What I believe in is churches of diverse people from various nations and ethnicities worshiping together. And I want to do whatever I can to make sure your church continues. He quoted to me literally off our own website. But when we get those contracts, you see, there's always a price that is below the market value. There's always some restrictions that we didn't agree to that get put in there somewhere and that would deprive us of the things we need to do what we want to do. There's always benefits for the developer that we never offered, and they try to get that in there, the back pages, and our attorney has to say, you got to get that out. Oh, look, here they go. Here they go again. I was complaining about this to a person who deals with this all the time, and that person said, I said, man, these developers are corrupt, and he said, no, they're just developers. That's the way the world works, buddy. The world's going to try to twist and turn everything to a temporary advantage and even sacrifice the eternal values of God to do it. So what is the truth about this world? Well, we have revealed truth that we just went through for what the Scripture says, that the world is beautiful, the world is gorgeous as a place, but there's an influence in the world when we look too readily at the temporary passage of time and that we have to be careful of. What have you observed? You've observed the beauty of this world. Have you also observed the danger of the influence of this passing, passing stage of time? You see, when you see somebody, if you're married, and you see somebody you're attracted to, and you think, huh, maybe I need this experience. I'm a little depressed Nobody's telling me I'm that attractive anymore. This person seems to think I am. Maybe I need that. I'll exchange the sacred wedding vows I hold for this temporary pleasure. Be careful. That's the world. We have to recognize the spirit of error, the spirit of the world. Said, No, I think I'm going to cherish my vow and do without this experience. When when you're at work and you find out that some employment policy benefits your race and and at the expense of other races and and everybody's saying, yeah, we got to keep that, that keeps us in charge, Uh, you got to be able to say, that's the world exchanging justice and equality for my own status. No, I think I'll give up my status and fight for what is actually true in the eyes of God. And when all those messages bombard us to say, you don't need to help... uh, your fellow person there, your neighbor who's in need. No, you need to keep all your money and all your possessions. You need to accumulate more stuff than you could ever use in 10 lifetimes. you got to fill up every closet you have. Uh, you gotta, your biggest problem has to be, what do I do with all this stuff? Not, how do I use all this stuff? That's what you need. you got to just flood your life with things and experiences. And don't worry about your neighbor. That's when we have to say, no, that's the spirit of the world. I recognize that old spirit. And I'm going to stay with the teachings of Jesus and show compassion. What have you observed? I've observed the world's a beautiful place. I bet you have too. I've observed there is a pernicious influence on me and probably on you that does center on the fact that I'm only here for a short time and I got to grab for everything I can get. Both are true. 35 years ago, when I pastored in Louisiana, I invited a uh, missionary who, who was home on furlough. That means they're in the United States for a short period of time. To come and talk to our church about her ministry. She was just fantastic. It, it was so long ago they did slides. Any of you remember slides? Yeah, the little carousel. And, and so she was showing us all the stuff in her ministry. And I, I, I feel sad that I don't remember where she was It's been too long ago, but we saw these slides, and then she said, and this is where I live, and it was a very modest dwelling in the midst of a lot. They were all jammed in there, all these modest dwellings, but behind her you could see a mountain, a beautiful mountain, Uh, and she talked about the fact that uh, she didn't have hot water, uh, but she did have clean water, and she was grateful for that, and that her cooking tools were primitive. Her oven was old, and there was no uh, air conditioning in this very hot climate and there were bugs and there were issues and she described all that and we saw the pictures. Then she showed us where she was living on furlough and a big church in Houston had set her up uh, with this beautiful home. I mean it'd be a home that any of us would want to live in. Uh, all these rooms and uh, two-car garage and manicured lawn and you know oh it looked great you know she said that's where I'm living now and she said if it were not for the calling of God this is where I would live. And we all go, oh, yeah, well, well, you blessed soul, sacrifice, and uh, God bless you for your sacrifice. And she must have read the room and seen that we were taking her statement wrong. And she said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I think you've misunderstood me. She said, what I mean to say is, and she started weeping, she said, what I mean to say is, if it weren't for the call of God, this is where I would have to live in the midst of this subdivision in Houston rather than in this rich life I have caring for others, making a difference in the midst of a beautiful creation. I'm so thankful to God. She understood that you don't want to trade the eternal values of God for some temporary benefit. She understood what another missionary said in 1956, the year of my birth, Jim Elliott, who was killed on his mission field. He had a sentence that has outlived him, obviously, and will probably live for... Decades, He says, people are no not fools for giving up what they cannot hold on to, to gain what they cannot lose. That's what John's saying. Hold on to the eternal values of God. Hold on to the eternal faith in Christ. And don't let the temporary pressure of this world cause us to trade any of that in for some fleeting benefit. And enjoy this beautiful world that God has given to us. That's the truth about the world. Amen. Amen. This is our confession and assurance of pardon. We are stubborn and often spiritually deaf, O oh Lord. We pick up everything the world has to offer, but filter out your words of truth. Help us to listen with our full hearts, souls, and minds to your life-saving words. Amen. Amen. Let's join together and joyfully sing, you have got the whole world in God's hands.
0: Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.